0: Tonight's Gospel reading comes from the fourth chapter of Matthew. Then Jesus was led up into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for forty days and forty nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, "'Throw yourself down, for it is written, "'God will command his angels to take care of you, "'and on their hands they will bear you up "'so that you will not dash your foot against a stone.' "'Jesus said to him, "'It's also written, "'Do not put the Lord your God to the test.' Next, the devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And the devil said to Jesus, All these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God. God alone shall you serve. At that, the devil left Jesus. And suddenly, angels came and waited on him. The word of the Lord.
1: Give and take. Give and take. I've been thinking a lot about this, this give and take. It's kind of like, um, you know, if you get something stuck in your head, like, give and take. And it kind of loses meaning to trying to figure it out give and take. Give and take. You know, give and take, at first, kind of sounds like a good idea, you know? like some sort of agreement. A willingness to get along, kind of work together, to compromise. You know, there has to be a certain amount of uh, give and take. You know, a little bit of give and take. Hey, you know, there's got to be some give and take here, right? You know, why, why is, like, the amount of give and take always so vague? This is what I don't get. A certain amount of give and take, some give and take, you know? No one will tell you beforehand exactly how much give and how much take is going to be required to get something done. kind of makes me a little suspicious of the whole give-and-take project, you know? It's kind of like this little window where I can maybe even see into a dark side of the whole give-and-take ethos, if you will. So... Like, seemingly, give and take is simple. It's like, hey, I have this, and you have that, and I want to do this, and you want to do that, but in order for me to do what I want to do, I need some of that. And in order for you to do what you want to do, you need some of this. So here's what we do, right? I will give you some of this, and I'll take some of that. And you take some of this, and then I'll give you some of that. And bam! We're both getting everything done that we want to get done. And all it took was a little, just a certain amount of, uh, you know, a willingness to... I mean, it's even got its own hand gesture, right? I mean, a concept that has its even, you know, we just need a little bit of, you know, and then everything's there. I mean, it seems like the most civil, civic-minded, spirit of cooperation approach to achieving mutual and individual goals there is. But a spirit of compromise? Oh, uh, yeah, there is a spirit present here, right? There is a spirit, but it's not the spirit of compromise. It's not the spirit of Cooperation. It's not the spirit of civic mindedness, the spirit of mutuality. No, the spirit here is the devil, Satan, Beelzebub, the prince of the kingdom of this world, the dark lord. Give and take? Really? These are the two options that were presented? Give and take? Give and take are like poles on the power spectrum, man. I mean, I'm gonna take what I want, and I don't give a damn what you think. I'm happy to give you whatever you need. Giving and taking are both exercises of power. Taking, clearly, is more, is like a power move, clearly, you know? I am initiating getting what I want. I am taking aim, taking charge, taking over, taking everybody down, taking everyone to the Cleaners, I don't know Power, it's power Giving is just a different way of exercising power Maybe even giving comes from a greater position of power Let me give you a little advice Let me give you a new perspective here You know, Uh, don't worry I can give you everything you need To kind of get on your way I can give you whatever you want Don't worry this is the core principle, this give and take, is the core principle of the empire of this world. It's how it works. It was, it's what James Allison calls conflictual acquisition. He always says things like that. I'm never sure what they mean. <laughs> In this power negotiation, this here is a power negotiation principle of the devil. Give and take. Like, where is the uh, receiving in this equation? You know, it doesn't even show up. You're given or you're taken. Where's the receiving? Because like receiving is like completely removed from the power continuum of give and take. Receiving is just seeing what the universe brings you. You know, you're not going out there. You're not gonna take it. You're not gonna, you know, enter into some bargain where somebody gives you this and somebody gives you that. You know, it's not this. It's like just, hey, whatever the universe brings my way. Give and take. Receiving. I'm just saying. Today is the first day of Lent. Lent is, of course, the 40 days preceding the commemoration of the execution and the resurrection of Jesus the Christ. Known in the Latin as quadrigissima, which means the 40 days. And in English, lent, which is the Middle English word for spring, derived from the German, which means long, sort of, as the days get longer. I don't know, sometimes it's just instructive to have somebody read aloud to you from Wikipedia. (laughs) The 40 days of Lent are taken from the 40 days that Jesus fasted in the wilderness before he was tempted to participate in a little uh, give and take with the devil. So that's what the 40 days comes from here. There's 40 days of Lent. He fasted for 40 days. And uh, so during Lent, many churches, they hold uh, catechism or baptism classes, special studies, all designed to sort of like deepen one's faith. Traditionally, Lent is marked by the three uh, practices of prayer and fasting and almsgiving. Just kind of an interesting side note, I thought, uh, that uh, Buddhist almsgiving um, The people give the money to the priest. So I just thought that was interesting. Um, Now the biblical texts for Lent always start with the temptation of Jesus. But then they go on to various stories depending on what year it is. Now this year I noticed that all the texts for Lent, all the stories, they're all about folks being called or pulled or driven out of some current reality they're in into something transformative. They're coming out. They're being called out. They're being driven out. They're being pulled out in all the stories for Lent this year. Some from paradise or their homes, others from the shadows or the grave. Adam and Eve are driven from the garden. Nicodemus is called out of the shadows to be told he must be reborn into a new kind of life. The woman at the well is called out of her own understanding. David is called out of the field to be the savior of his people. The former blind man is driven out of the synagogue. Lazarus and the dead of Israel are called out of their graves. And Jesus and Israel are driven into the wilderness to prepare for something new. Jesus is driven into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, these 11 verses in Matthew have been the subject of like, the most robust metaphorical, theological study in the history of like, the interpretation of the text. Scholars of all kinds find really like, significant and differing meanings in all the three different temptations that the devil gives to Jesus. Um, everybody has talked about it, written about it. The Desert Fathers, Ignatius, Martin Luther, Calvin, Bart, Derrida, even Freud wrote extensively about them. And I'll give you a hint, Freud, he kind of uh, focused on the part where Jesus is placed on the pinnacle of the temple. <laughs> There's so much here in this, so many directions that you could go. Um, but this year, we've kind of been reading Matthew in light of empire considering that the author of Matthew and the community for which he's writing are located in the context of the Roman Empire. And so we've been asking, like in what ways is the Gospel of Matthew almost like a revolutionary tract? Not a call to arms, really, but a call to a kind of peaceful resistance to the powers that run the world. Now, a lot of people read this temptation Part of this uh, text as sort of echoing Israel's experience in the wilderness. They were in the wilderness for 40 days or 40 years, and he was in there for 40 days, and the temptations sort of echo things that Israel went through. And I've read it like that quite a bit. But this year, we're looking, I've been reading this text thinking about the context of the Roman Empire, and it's like remarkable how similar this temptation story looks to so many Roman myths. Really, it's like there's, this, uh, there's always this, all these myths about these encounters and the doings of immortals and mortals and demigods sort of interacting. And so here you have this like God come down to meet this demigod Jesus. And uh, he takes him up you know, and looks down on the world. He gives them these, these tasks, these three different tasks. It's just so much like Roman mythology. It's remarkable. It seems clear that maybe um, while they are referencing the history of Israel, the author is also referencing these Roman myths and sort of challenging the, the Roman theology that underlies the empire. See, because Caesar is the son of Jupiter and The world is given by Jupiter to Caesar. And so it's Caesar's to do with it as he will. And here you have this God like person bringing up one of these gods, uh, this demigod Jesus, and saying, Look, I will give you all the empires of the world. All the empires of the world. That means I'm going to take this empire away from Caesar and give it to you and all you have to do is you know uh, worship me this is really a radical thing to say to tell this to retell this sort of uh, Roman myth putting Jesus in this position of being offered Caesar's empire and then what's even crazier is that Jesus turns it down Jesus at every point refuses to be part, to participate in this calculus of power, this give and take. Jesus does not even register on this power continuum. And what's really crazy is all these things that this devil is trying to bargain with Jesus about, eventually, Jesus just comes to receive. He does not act, he does not try to take, he doesn't make some bargain, but he just receives these things. His body eventually becomes this temple, and he becomes the salvation of all the nations all over the world. I'm thinking that as Jesus is being called outside of the calculus of power on which the Roman Empire is built... That maybe this lens, we might participate in a sort of like, maybe a power fast. That we could step outside the calculus of power, step off the continuum of give and take, and just practice receiving. And we can start now, if you like.